Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hi, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm Lisa, your host, and this podcast is in partnership with PR Daily. PR Daily is a great resource for communicators like me. I drop in there to get my training, to get more information about what's going on in the industry, and really just to learn more about what my colleagues are up to as well. So to find more episodes of the podcast, please join me there at prdaily.com or uh, join me at the website, which is fridayreporter.com. And if you like the show, be sure to leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, because that really helps get the word out about the podcast and the work that we're doing here to get you guys to know more about the reporters that cover your industry. Hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter podcast. Today's episode is with a reporter and journalist who has covered the state house and politics in New Jersey for some time. Dustin Rossiopi is the Atlantic Region Politics and Government Editor for USA Today Network and is with me today. Dustin, thanks so much for being with me. Thanks a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So, Dustin, uh, you've got a, a great background and have covered the State House. Uh, you and I, we've never had a chance to meet in person in real life, but I've read your byline for a long time. We've had a chance to catch up a little bit. Talk to me a little about how you got into uh, journalism, how you got into this particular area, and and talk to me a little bit about your background. Well, I it's really just by chance. It was sheer luck. I uh, I was in the Navy. For five years, mm-hmm. so I was uh, I was a mechanic on a submarine, um, and so that was a, a totally different field. But uh, it wasn't one that I particularly excelled at or really loved all that much. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I was, you know, 23 years old or so, and uh, looking to start a new career. And I was taking some community college courses up in Connecticut, where I was stationed. Mm-hmm. And I took a journalism 101 course, and I was like, this is fun. <laughs> you know, I always, I was a reader and a writer growing up, um, mm-hmm. and this was just a career path that uh, never presented itself to me. I never thought of it as an option. But the professor of that course was an editor at the Norwich Bulletin up in Norwich, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I took a shine to the the workload of, of the um, of the class, uh, he recognized that, and he gave me an opportunity to start freelancing for the Norwich Bulletin. And we're talking about like real local journalism. Like the first assignment I had was covering um, some charity uh, like modeling event, uh, <laughs> and then the next assignment was going to a, a fishing derby. Oh wow! Um, so I had to get up at like four in the morning and go out and cover these cover these guys and their and their kids uh, going out fishing at five o'clock in the morning and writing about it. But there was something about it that I I just really enjoyed, um, and I stuck with it until I got a job opportunity there at the Bulletin, and kind of just uh, worked my way 
up the ranks. And uh, I landed after a couple of pit stops in other places. I wound up at the Asbury Park Press mm-hmm. in uh, 2011. And then, uh, as so many people vividly remember, the George Washington Bridge scandal broke in uh, 2013, early 2014, and the Asbury Park Press, they sent me out to the State House to go help with the coverage of that, mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't really left since. I, you know, I, uh, I went out there, and I, I, I came to love that, too. New Jersey politics, as you know, um, it can be like a blood sport. It's, <laughs> yeah, not, so co- it's nonstop. It's, you know, it's, it's, you, you never... What I think that to me makes you great at what you do today is that you you jumped right into not only like blood sport is a great way to put it, you jumped into a, a big headline uh, scandal, but it never stops in New Jersey because even like today, I mean, I'm talking to you the Tuesday before our episode is going to air, it's primary day in New Jersey. And Next year, we're going to have elections again uh, in the state. So every single year, that state is just so political for that reason. Right. New Jersey politics, I think it's Michael Aaron from NJTV who coined the phrase, something the effect of New Jersey politics never disappoints. <laughs> you know, you could just be sitting there uh, at your computer on a, uh, a computer on a dull day thinking, you know, nothing's happened. And all of a sudden, something, who knows, something just blows up out of nowhere yep. it's a very unique state as you mentioned it's, you know we have elections every year that makes it inherently political but uh yeah i mean the, the chris christie years uh it was such a wild ride probably some of the most fun i've had in my career just not just covering the scandal but then his presidential run that took me up to new hampshire and iowa and just covering chris christie is um you know it's Never a dull moment. Yeah, that's an event all (laughs) itself. You know, we go to Christie events, and I'd come away from a gaggle with them, and I'd go through my notebook and say to myself, "Um, "Okay, so, so what two or three stories can I write out of this? Because he just gave me so much." Really? Yeah, he's you know he's he's a colorful guy. He knows he knows what what our job is, Um, and he he usually delivered. No doubt about it. I mean, he was the original brand of sort of like uh, authentic politics that really has sort of emerged in these, you know, later days now. But I was watching it from down here in Washington, D.C. But it wasn't always like that. It was every day was a new Chris Christie story. And I and being from New Jersey, I loved it because it was just raw and it was fresh and it was what it was. Um, And it really, I have to believe, made for very, very busy days for you, too. Um, It's fun to me to see now. So you were at the Asbury Park Press, which is my hometown paper. I grew up around the corner from the press building and had uh, lots of aunts and uncles who worked for the paper. Um, And then you covered also did some time Bergen record is also a Gannett property. Tell me a little bit about that relationship and how that coverage works. Cause the papers themselves have sort of become um, more integrated in the state over the course of the last several years. Talk to me a little bit about how that works. Yeah. When I left the press and went to the Bergen record, Gannett hadn't owned it. So for about a year and a half, I was under the old uh, family ownership. I see. And uh, that was that was a different experience. It was um, it was a larger newsroom, 
it was very, very intense editing. There was a whole ton of editors there, still a, whole, a lot of reporters. Mm-hmm. It just had like a different kind of old school kind of vibe to it. Um, the landscape, as you know, is is just very difficult right now. It's a very tough industry yes. to thrive in. So, so when Gannett bought the record, um, the state house for the record essentially became the statewide news service for Gannett, all these other papers like the Asbury Park Press, and uh. Courier Post, um, Home News Tribune, and that's essentially, you know, up until recently, that's that's what I've been doing. I've, I've, you know, just been writing my stories out of the state house, and then you get distributed throughout the state. Sure, kind of like the Associated Press. I was going to say it's like a, it's almost as if it's a syndicated um, outlet. It makes a lot of sense. It is, and so for me. Um, I have to stay, try to stay tuned to a lot of different things that are going on that might be of specific interest to the other papers. So, like, just uh, as an example, the Asbury Park Press has done a lot of work on uh, uh, law enforcement um, problems with regulations. So, when, when the legislature is uh, starting to move bills related to that, you know, I want to let my colleagues at the press know about that. Right. Or if there's certain things of, uh, you know, things that I know local reporters, Stephanie Bergen, have been covering, try to flag that for them, or for all the scope cover for them. So, we, you know, you know, New Jersey, it's all regionalized. People have their different interests. And, and it's, People it's think of it as a very small state, but the truth is, is that it is sur- supremely regional and people are supremely loyal. And if you try to tell a story about Asbury Park, in the Bergen record, unless it's about where to see the boss over the weekend. Nobody's interested in what's happening yeah. in Monmouth County if you're in Bergen County. And same is true just about everywhere else. So, But but good that the network is strong. Um, in the State House Bureau, uh, I was a, I told the story when I talked to Herb Jackson a couple months back. Uh, I literally was uh, an intern in the Senate uh, and used to drop off my press releases because there was no email at the time. Used to drop off my press releases to all of the desks of all of the folks that were on press row. Has the State House Capitol, is that, is it open again? It's open. It's still under construction. So the old press row that you're talking about um, is, it's hidden from us. It's being renovated. Oh, that's so good. we're in a different location now, but uh, those those baskets are still uh, hanging around <laughs> and uh, getting overloaded with papers that nobody ever looked at. Yeah. They, uh, well, I like, it's good. To, it's good to hear that not a lot has changed. Uh, and, but that is how I made my best friends working on, on that side. And then I worked in the governor's office uh, later on in my, um, in my tenure there in, in New Jersey. Um, Dustin, tell me a little bit now. So you're get you're getting ready to start, or have just recently started as the Atlantic Region Politics and Government Editor. Tell me a little bit about wh- what you're going to do um, for this particular job because now your beat has changed. What are people if they're looking for stories that might be of interest to you? Tell me a little bit more about now what this new scope of work is going to include. It's really a whole different sort of mindset for me and will exercise uh, certain skills that I haven't used before. But essentially, um, I'll be running the political coverage for the states from Virginia up to uh, New York. So it's six states. And one of the key states, obviously, is going to be Pennsylvania. Yeah. We've got this, uh, we've got the Senate and the governor's race this year. Mm-hmm. And really, Pennsylvania is going to be 
the focus of a large part of the country's attention. It's going to be so important from here until the presidential election in 2024. So, yeah. so it's just going to be um, it's going to be a, a big challenge, you know, you know, to, to lead that coverage, to make sure that we're not miss, you know, we're not missing anything, um, and we're providing people with the things that they need to know, um, and and not so much noise of politics that it's easy to get caught up into. We really just want to focus on smart, engaging stories while also, you know, fulfilling our obligation to letting people know kind of what's happening from day to day, or week to week. Right. On these campaigns. Do you have reporters in every one of those states that are sort of reporting up to you that you're going to be working with? Yeah, there's a couple holes in some of the states, but I'm looking to get those filled and hopefully have a full roster here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially in, in Pennsylvania, that's, that's a paramount importance. And, and there's a good crew down there. So um, I'm looking forward to, to uh working with some of these folks and uh for sure producing some good work yeah well it's, i mean and that that whole corridor is going to be really important right i mean important now um this year but then also like it's going to inform as you said your coverage over the course of the next two years so it's going to be super busy for you but congratulations i mean that's a great it's a great and cool responsibility and a lot i think it's going to be a lot of fun yeah i think so it's an opportunity i I hadn't anticipated them. It wasn't something that I even ever thought about, but it's a, it's a really unique opportunity. Uh, and given everything that we can expect to happen over the next couple of years, I really could pass it up. Where will you, so you won't, you won't continue to be in the state house, will you? We'll be somewhere else now. I'll still be based in New Jersey. Uh-huh. And, and New Jersey will be in my purview as well, but uh, I'll, I'll probably be doing some travel and, uh, maybe doing an election night in Pennsylvania or, uh, you know, just riding the circuit uh, sure. from Virginia, what is it? Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, New yep. Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York. I'm it's familiar. A lot, a lot of territory. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's, it's the, it's the Acela, the Acela corridor, right? Other than Pennsylvania, yeah. you'll have to drive to Pennsylvania, but for the most part, you'll be on the, uh, you'll be up and down on the Amtrak line. Dustin, talk to me a little bit now. I mean, you mentioned Bridgegate, obviously a huge story that you worked on. Is there anything, is there any other coverage that sort of stands out to you as something that you're particularly proud of that you've worked on over the course of your career? Yeah, a couple of years ago, um, you know, I had broken a bunch of stories on patronage hiring at the School Development Authority, which, you know, most people have no idea what that is, but it's, it's say a very... Again, say again, because it cut out. So you're, you're con- the, the, the School's Development Authority. School's Development Authority, okay. Yeah, and in New Jersey, most people don't know about it, but it's it's hugely important. It's, it's responsible for... for you know, 10 to $12 billion of school construction in 31 school districts that uh, are typically poor, more urban, places like Asbury Park mm-hmm. or Camden. And anyway, I, I caught on to this, this story of uh, the CEO hiring friends and associates and firing a bunch of people. It was, it was a massive scandal, and it was a real black eye to the new governor at the time, Phil Murphy. And it's a story that uh, I am still following today, almost three years later. And uh, it I was bet. just, um, it was it was a 
a thrilling sort of reporting experience for me. It was it was a great learning experience, okay. um, and it led to some changes. Most importantly, there were reforms and investigations, um, and some some other changes um, are still in the offing. So that piece of it, I'm particularly proud of. I bet. Well, there's nothing if not uh, those stories that continue to emerge over the history of that that state that never stops delivering those new, those new stories. But um, schools, especially, um, and certainly Phil Murphy. That's uh, that's. I mean, it must have been interesting to be in there and, and reporting on that at the time. Talk to me a little bit about. Um, all right, so reporting now from uh, from Joe Palea Park in Ocean Township, New Jersey. You are, and I re- now no, this will air later, so nobody will come find you at the park. But Joe Palea, <laughs> being a great and tremendous state senator, my personal mentor and friend, family friend for a million years, and just a great uh, American. Um, but I I have to ask. So you know, you're in you're literally in my hometown right now. Tell me, like, when you're not reporting, Dustin, what's keeping you busy? What are you doing in the off time? <laughs> um, you know, the way the pandemic has been, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of off time. You know, working from home, you're you're always kind of working. Yeah. But I have two young daughters, so they're keeping me uh, and my wife incredibly busy. But as you know, I mean, uh, uh, we're you know, we can walk to the beach. So there's a lot of time doing that. And just, especially at this time of the year, enjoying, uh, enjoying everything there is to living, you know, kind of the beach life. It's, um, go ahead and rub really it in. No better, there's no better, there, there's really no better place to, to, uh, to live. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I miss it every time, every year this time, I wonder what in the world can I do to get myself back to New Jersey, uh, because you're right. And, and, and shame on everybody who's shaking their heads at me promoting my, my beloved home state once again, but I totally agree. Uh, great place. Uh, it is harder. I think you're right. I think, um, the pandemic has made it so that we have that flexibility to be home. Um, but also that sort of has blurred the lines between work and home too, where a lot of people were saying, you know, it's work from home, but really it's, um, work, that is your home. Um, and so we're constantly in that sort of space. So I get that when we, um, when we talk about, uh, New Jersey and the spillover and the politics, you know, politics and sort of all the things that are happening there in the state, do you find that because, you know, so today's primary day, do you find that, um, the state is sort of going in the direction of national politics, Dustin, or do you feel as if it's sort of doing what New Jersey does, which is its own damn thing? Um, and I ask that because I'm curious, I've seen some of the coverage and, and this is crystal ball stuff. So you don't, the, your right answer will not be graded at the end of the conversation, but um, I'm curious, do you see the the electorate sort of going in the direction of the Trump candidates or you do you see the polls um, sort of favoring incumbents as we sort of get to the end of today and the end of the polls? Do you have a sense of that already? I don't have a great sense of it, but I think today or tonight will be clarifying, uh, and then in in the November election, we'll we'll know even more. But you know that last election uh, when Jack Tirelli, the Republican challenger, came pretty close to uh, beating Phil Murphy, who was you know supposed to win by double digits, but he ran up you know only weakening out by about four points or so. Yeah, that was that was uh, that along with the 
upset the feet of our Democratic Senate president. <laughs> that was weird. No name truck driver. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> you know, a guy who who self described as a nobody. Yeah. Um, you know, that was that was amazing. Um, so I don't know if that was unique or if that's the trend. I I do know that like in many other states, we have a lot of Republican candidates who are positioning themselves as the true MAGA characters who are going to ride into Washington and take on the established moderates like Congressman Chris Smith or... Which is crazy. Chris Smith has been a conservative our whole life, and now all of a sudden he's a... That's bananas to me. But anyway, this whole other conversation for another day. Right. So, yeah. (laughs) So we'll know know tonight if any of those outsiders win, that could be a, a strong signal. Absolutely. Oh, well, I guess we'll have to wait and watch. Um, and that's, I mean, it's interesting to me either way, because it's always to me, New Jersey has always been people sort of point to it as a bellwether, you know, and how it's, uh, it predicts what potentially could happen um, in other states and otherwise. So, um, well, I'll be watching and we'll have to do a follow up episode or conversation at some point. All right. So here's the New Jersey lightning round, Dustin, because you have to satisfy this Jersey girl's heart. Uh, is it pork roll or is it Taylor ham? I grew up in the same area as you, so I'm going with pork roll. Uh, Springsteen or Bon Jovi? Springsteen. Gotta be. All right, two two right answers. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, favorite pizza? Are you talking about type? No or? wrong no wrong answer. Like, it's Friday night, and you got to get the kids dinner, and it's got to be easy, and it's got to be good. Where are you going? All right. Uh, pizza and mushrooms from Luigi right up the street on, on Sunset Avenue. God, Luigi's three right answers, what man. Is, what is it? Pe- pepperoni and mushrooms, yeah. <laughs> I love Luigi's. Uh, all right, and final, where's your favorite bagel? My favorite bagel uh, would be from my dad, who has uh, we, we used to work at pretty much every bagel shop throughout uh, the shore area. Your dad has? I, my dad has. Yeah. Okay. And uh, one of my favorite places that he, he worked at, which is still a favorite of mine, is What About a Bagel on Ocean Township. Oh, they got the they got the big, they got the rainbow bagels on the weekend, too, which my kids are really into. That's <laughs> so Same good. Here. Anyway, I'm, I'm just, I'm so lucky, number one, that we have such a close connection in terms of like being in and connected to the same hometown. And, and I love that you have spent so much time, not only Asbury Park, Bergen Record, but now sort of covering this big swath of the Atlantic coast. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch your coverage, Dustin. I'm, I'm grateful for your time. My, um, my, my last question of the conversation is always, who is it that you would recommend for a future episode for the podcast? Uh, one of my favorite columnists in America and favorite people in the world is Charlie Style. He's been a great colleague for the last several years. And um, I, I, for my money, I think he's one of the best political columnists anywhere. So I, I would definitely recommend him. Well, I'm going to I'm going to tell him you nominated him and I'm not sure he's going to remember me because like I said, it was Charlie and it was Herb Jackson and it was that whole crew of guys all up there in uh, press row a bazillion years ago when I was just an intern dropping off press releases. But I'll tell him you sent me Uh, and Dustin, uh, I wish you all the best in this new assignment. Stay in touch. We'll we'll definitely cross paths at some point and uh, and have a great summer at the Jersey Shore, my friend. Great. Thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast. 
a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.